0: Sure, I could have stayed in the past. Could have even been king. But in my own way, I am king. Hail to the king, baby. So, Parth, what have you been eating?
1: It's funny you should ask, Trent, because I I ate food with you Yep, most recently. Um, I had Shake Shack. I had -hmm. a sandwich from there. And you you also had a same... I mean, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but...
0: Yeah, bro, thanks for asking. Um, Nice to see you. Great to be here. Um, I also had a Shake Shack burger, and they horribly messed up my order. And then we spoke about if we have ever felt inclined to um, write a, a restaurant a positive or negative review. And I said that I would never feel passionate enough to write it, good or bad. Um, and then you reminded me that we have an entire platform based around, you know, kind of arbitrarily rating pieces of art. Yeah,
1: both positive and negative.
0: Granted, the lowest rating we've given on the show was like a 6, so I don't even... I, I, would no, imagine I
1: think I've I i gave, I've given a 2, I think, before. Maybe it was a 4.
0: To what? To lockdown?
1: Oh, um, yeah. But a great guess for that one, though.
0: Parth and I are in tuxes right now, or should we well, say... One of us is in a tux. Parth was in a tux, and then he was too I still am in a tux. I still have my bow tie. His bow tie. And you tried to convince me to add a bow tie, and I tried to convince you to subtract a bow tie. Well, let's start from the beginning,
1: which is we obviously were recording um, in a studio, and uh, we decided it would be fun to record in here, to Mm -hmm. set up a few cameras, and do our thing. And we were like, oh, it's it's a fancy event, so we should dress fancily and we decided, oh, we should wear suits, and the only one I have is my tux that I wore to prom, Mm -hmm. and Trent promised me that he'd be able to uh, also partake in this, and here you are, you say you have no jacket?
0: Yeah, I couldn't find a jacket that um, corresponded to the black color scheme I was going towards, so I went for a more casual look, and then I show up and you're very upset with me because we're at different varying levels of formality. But look, I um I talked out of that bow tie, I popped a few of the shirt buttons, and now you look like Robert De Niro. Are you stupid or what? Did you hear what I said? Don't buy anything, don't get anything, nothing big, did you hear what I said? What's the matter with you? What are you getting excited about? What do I get excited about? Because you're gonna get us
1: all fucking pinched that's why. What are you stupid?
0: What's the matter with you? I apologize. What's the matter with you?
1: Should I, should I redo my thing from the first time we recorded this?
0: Yeah, this is the second take of this introduction because Parth trusted the autofocus on one of the cameras and I walked in front of it and it focused on my back and then the rest of that footage is lost. Um, so Parth, yeah, do your Robert De Niro impression again.
1: Oh, you want to hear it? What a surprise. Just like the first time. <laughs> okay, so here is my Robert De Niro impression. Say hello to my little friend.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to do the one where you just said, I'm the taxi driver.
1: Oh, Can right. Uh, uh, I'm the taxi driver. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how he talks.
0: Parts only seen two-thirds of Goodfellas. I guess that's another Rob Marty, De Niro film. Robbie. Oh, you're on, I've never heard anyone. I would say that you're on a first-name basis with him, but it's like a longer.
1: No, I mean, he and I are close.
0: Do you think you and Robert De Niro could, like, get along if you were tasked with having lunch with him?
1: I think I could run a podcast with Robert De Niro. Do you think Sorry, Ro- Robbie De Niro.
0: Do you think Robert De Niro's ever been on a podcast?
1: I'm sure he's done some sort of interview that's been transformed into podcast form, but I don't think he's, like... A,
0: Do you think Robert De Niro would respond to our various emails?
1: That we've sent to Robbie? Um, oh, you don't, you don't have
0: any other method of contact?
1: No. No more can you Do you think Robert De Niro like has an email, or does he just have people who have emails?
0: Maybe he's just Robert De Niro at gmail.com, and just no one has put it together that e- even famous people use their first and last name at gmail.com. Like, if you want to reach Parth, for example, you're going to type in parthmorate at gmail.com, and then just send him whatever your heart desires, explicit, it could be from the dark corners of the internet. So we're
1: here to talk about a movie mm-hmm. that we watched together just a few hours ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we should we cut to that? Should we just like go into this and this whole video
0: charade we've got going on? Let's discuss the chosen film for the day.
1: Kill the oh sorry. Cue the intro.
0: I Bane is also Bane. here. Oh, and the Joker. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Craft Services. Our show. Where we talk about... The movies.
0: This is our podcast. Thanks for coming.
1: Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. Last week we talked with...
0: The second unit director, Doug Leffler. Wait, was he delightful? I forget. He was... Epic! Was it our 50th episode spectacular or not? Was that just a rumor?
1: No, that was, that was true. So far as I can tell. But yeah, he worked on our film for today... Um, Army of Darkness?
0: Yeah, which we'll be discussing, analyzing, critiquing.
1: We do all these things.
0: Criticizing. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty. We're going to have surface-level takes. And one of us might just shed a tear.
1: One of us, yeah. If one of
0: us were going to get emotional about this film, I think it'd be you. Probably, yeah. I'd say I'm the bigger fan. Well, yeah, I mean, there can be a new segment on the show being like... Because then, you know, if the film were like Muppets Treasure Island... And then I then think that Which you
1: which you talked about while watching this movie. You said the movie had the same font as Muppets Treasure Island.
0: Yes. Well, it was the font to the opening credits. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. No, not the title, but yeah.
0: So, I watched this film for the first time with Parth like three hours ago. He said he would bring his Blu-ray. Um, I made special accommodations to be able to play his He started Blu-ray.
1: driving, then drove back to get his PS3. Yeah,
0: Parth said, hey Tren, I hope you don't mind. I left my house and 70% the way there I realized that uh, I'd forgotten the, the disc.
1: And I also said that I would bring a camera and a tripod for him,
0: which yep. I did not do. Yeah, no, so, and so you dropped not one ball but several. And then the funny thing is is that I left my house and then I turned back around to get a Blu-ray player because I care about you. And I just figured that the road went both ways and it's just crazy to find out that everything knows know is a no. lie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was pretty clear about... My feelings towards you.
0: And like, it's like I thought there'd be special features, like maybe there'd be like you yeah. said there was some sort of special edition, and now we're illegally downloading it on whoa, the internet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That
1: and didn't happen. That didn't happen. Anyways.
0: Alright, that was a false alarm.
1: Trent, should we get into the synopsis of this movie? Let's do it. So, okay, you want me to say it or you? Okay. Uh sir, Diana Fuck.
0: A, be professional.
1: a sardonic hardware store clerk is accidentally transported to thirteen hundred AD where he must retrieve the Necronomicon and battle an army of the dead so he can return home.
0: It's funny that even after the first two movies where he has nothing to do with a hardware store, that the opening line in describing Ash's yeah. character is as a store clerk when they have to like rewrite everything about the past to put him to
1: accommodate that fact.
0: Much like Back to the Future, setting up Back to the Future 2, it like already goes into the beginning of Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2, and then it has to like reshoot some stuff like, in the overlap, like you described, yes?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the reasoning behind it, which is the same reason that like, Evil Dead 2 was basically a remake of Evil Dead 1, it's just because they didn't have the rights to the footage. Mm. so that's why like linda is a different actress every time
0: who uh, owns the footage the studio that gives them the money. well there's there's
1: different studios and some of them no longer exist and stuff i think so like it's a little bit of a battle like when the new ash versus the evil dead show came out they didn't they didn't have the rights to army of darkness so they couldn't reference anything that happened in that movie
0: lady i'm afraid i'm gonna have to ask you to leave the store you? name's ash housewares. I'm not really a big night guy or a big fantasy guy so those elements of this movie but compared to the horror elements of the first two films this one tries to be we started it and said this is kind of a more of a comedy and I said will I laugh and he said I don't know.
1: (laughs) All right well let's start out with some cold hard facts.
0: Here's Here's the biggest fact of all. This movie cost $90 million to produce, and it made a box office of $291.5 million. That is incorrect. That's what it says in the document. I know, I put the wrong information in the document. God damn it. So the budget is $11 million, and the box office is $21.5 million. What's the runtime again?
1: 82 minutes, I think.
0: And that's before or after. Is that the original length?
1: Yeah, that's that's the uh, U.S. cut that came out. I think the uh, international one is a little bit more like one thirty-six, like one hour thirty-six minutes. And
0: so, is it like full scenes that had been cut, or is no? It just I think like... I think
1: it's like minor like effect shots and things like that. Because I also think for the U.S. cut, they were trying to get it down to a PG thirteen, which they never did, but the cuts stayed. I think.
0: But the first two are both rated R. Yes.
1: Yeah, but I guess I mean this one is. M- is I mean, it only a-
0: for violence?
1: I think it's for violence and for I mean, there's nudity. Yeah. But they were
0: more lax about that back then. But I guess this is still '92, so it's not so early. I feel like it's not because being that it's fantasy and it's like skeletons and stuff. I, I feel like if one were so inclined, they could get it down to a PG-13 rating. It seems kind of
1: most of the violence that occurs in the movie is there's not much like blood.
0: I said during the first half of the film that this touch and feels of a children's movie just. Um, I mean that's before most of the action set pieces, um, but it just it felt very Doctor Seussy. That's right, shop smart, shop smart.
1: So this one's a little bit of a long one, but um, so Sam Raimi drew from a variety of sources, including literature with. A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court and Jonathan Swift's Gulliver Travels and films like The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, Jason and the Argonauts, The Three Stooges, and Conan the Barbarian. It was originally titled Evil Dead 3 Army of Darkness. The studio made them drop the Evil Dead part. He co-wrote it with Ivan Raimi throughout the pre-production and production of Dark Man, the film they made prior to this. The initial budget was for 8 million, but in pre-production it was increased to 12 million, with Universal paying half of that. Uh, because they were impressed with Darkman. It was filmed in Bronson Canyon and Vasquez Rock's Natural Area Park, with the interior shots being filmed on an introvision stage in Hollywood. Raimi's use of the introvision process was a tribute to the stop-motion animation work of Ray Harryhausen, who you can hear a little bit about in our interview with Doug Leffler. Introvision used front-projected images with live actors instead of traditional rear projection, uh, because that's what Ray Harryhausen had. They blended components with more realistic-looking results. Raimi used a 60-fold Scotchlight front-projection screen, miniature, and background plates. The shooting began in mid-1991 and lasted for about 100 days. Most of the film took place at night. And the filmmakers shot most of the film during the summer when the days were longest and the nights were shortest. It would take them about an hour and a half to light the area, which meant the filmmakers had only about six hours left to shoot a scene. Money problems forced the cinematographer, Bill Pope, to shoot for only certain hours, Monday through Friday, meaning that he could not be paid a standard fee. There are certain scenes, like with evil Ash walking along the graveyard with his skeleton minions, where they blended stop-motion animation and live-action skeleton puppets that were mechanically rigged with prosthetics and visual effects. The original ending had Ash oversleep from poison, where he wakes up to a more futuristic, post-apocalyptic wasteland, but a more upbeat ending was shot a month later in a lumber store in Malibu, California, and two months after principal filming was finished, a round of reshoots began in Santa Monica and involved ash in the windmill and scenes with Bridget Fonda. The MPAA originally gave it an NC-17 rating for a shot of a female deadite being killed early in the film, but... Uh, Raimi made a few cuts and got stuck with an R rating, even though Universal wanted a PG-13 one. And Universal turned the film over to outside film editors who cut the film to 81 minutes. And there's another version that runs about 87 minutes that was eventually released in theaters, still with an R rating. Trent, you want to hit me with some fun facts?
0: I don't know how they could ever consider making this an NC-17 film. No.
1: And especially compared to the other two Evil Dead movies, which are way more bloody and grotesque like, comically so.
0: It, especially since it's, like, more or less a death sentence for a film to get an NC-17 rating yeah. because it makes it seem like it's pornography.
1: And the, the only way you can maybe survive that is if you make that into part of the marketing of the movie where it's like, oh, it's so messed up. But, like, I can't imagine Isn't making... Showgirls
0: the only movie that's, like, the only movie that people have heard of that had an NC-17 rating? And is that rated NC-17? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is basically a death sentence because people won't. I didn't know that Bill Pope was the cinematographer for this. Well, apparently he was five days out of the week. Yeah, but he did what? Just Spider Man two? Both Spider Man? No, I mean he's collaborated
1: with the majority. I mean I think he worked on Dark Man. He worked on Spider Man two and three. He did, um, Oz the Great and Powerful. Uh, he he's done like the Matrix trilogy and like majority of Edgar Wright's movies.
0: I something I liked so much about this movie and it makes sense that Bill Pope is involved in some way is, I mean, we just watch it together. So many times I found myself looking at, like, the seams of the film and being like, how the heck did they do that? Yeah. And uh, whether or not because it was good or because it was bad, it just, like, looked unique and it warranted the question of how the heck did they do that? Yeah. And I really find myself um, feeling that way. And so I just felt, uh, for better or worse, we're both pursuing a career in the arts. And, uh, you know, it makes, you know, I'm, I like talking about process, clearly. And so it makes me think a lot about process. Oh, fun facts. Do you mind? Please. Um, so Evil Dead 2, according to Bruce Campbell, was originally designed to go back and into the past to 1300. But we couldn't muster it at the time, so we decided to make an interim version, not knowing if the 1300 story would ever get made.
1: That's a direct quote.
0: So that begs the question of if Evil Dead 2 was in 1300, what does that make Evil Dead 3?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I think they wanted the plot of Evil Dead 2 to be what Evil Dead 3 is. Because Evil Dead 2 isn't really a sequel so much as it is a remake. Mm -hmm. So I think... They were, that was maybe going to be the instigating...
0: Yeah, maybe they're like, well, if we really want to do this one-two punch, rather than just th- throw all of our resources into doing the second one really well, we'll redo the first one, like buy ourselves some time, and now use our new resources yeah. to, to, to set up the second... to spend, essentially, a bunch of the first film setting up the second film. Yeah. Even though you said that it wasn't guaranteed the third film would be made.
1: No, none of none of the Evil Dead projects have ever been made with the knowing, with knowing that the future movie or you know TV show or whatever will be funded in any way.
0: And I was surprised by that because I I'd spent my whole life, I mean, back to Back to the Future, where I'd always thought that the first one just called it sh- shot by with the to be continued, and then I learned that that wasn't the original cut. That was only on no. the VHS thing. And that's how yeah. it became widely popularized. But I guess even Steven Spielberg can't call his shot funding-wise, being like, well, I know this is going to spawn two spin no. spin-off movies. And neither of us, I think it's safe to say, will achieve the amount of fame and fortune that Stevie Spielberg has. So it feels kind of hopeless. Will no one give us *Car blanche for a trilogy of films up front and ask no questions and just... Sign us blank checks. Go ahead, Quick, get in the car. No, 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 Doc. I
1: just got here, okay? Jennifer's here. We're gonna take the new truck for a spin.
0: Well, bring her along. This concerns her, too. Wait a minute, Doc. Well, what are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? What, we become assholes or something? No, 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 Marty. Both you and Jennifer turn out fine. It's your kids, Marty. Something has gotta be done about your kids. <laughs> Are there any more fun facts? You're making it seem like it's hard to succeed as a commercial director, but yeah, there are there are fun facts. Uh, Raimi originally wanted the title of the film to be The Medieval Dead. Studio refused. I like Army of Darkness better. So do I, but I don't know why Army of
1: Dead, our, our, our Army of Darkness is so much better than Medieval Dead from a studio perspective.
0: I if if you're the studio, you think you would want it to be Evil Dead Three, which colon they shot down. Yeah, right? and, and that which, doesn't like make, I don't I don't get that. Because naming-wise, it going Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, no mention of Evil Dead Army of Darkness. It makes it seem like it's something else entirely. Yeah. Um Raimi needed 3 million million to finish the film, but Universal delayed its release due to a dispute with D uh, Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, Dino De Laurentiis. over the rights to Hannibal Lecter character, which Universal needed for a sequel to Silence of the Lambs, which is what Red Dragon.
1: Um yes. Yeah, I think so. This dispute
0: caused the film to be delayed from the summer of 1992 to February of 1993. Um, The first Dead Eye Ash fights in the pit was known as the, quote, pit bitch to the cast and crew. Um, During the film, I was really confused by all the monsters. And during the first monster, I said, so Parth, like, what's this monster woman's deal? And he said, oh, that's the pit bitch. And I thought that this sort of naming system was, like, very official. But it confused me from that point on, that the rest of them were just standard deadites. All right, so in the original draft, Ash, Bruce Campbell lost an eye. I think it's... he He's lost an arm already. He's been through so much. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like Sigourney Weaver and Alien, where it's like, they don't How get... How much can this
1: woman take? They don't get
0: to rest in between films. No. It's like when you look at... That sequence of events, it's really only like three days in a row. Yeah. It'd be really painful. This is the first and last studio film that Bruce Campbell has starred in as the lead. Yeah,
1: he's basically done just like independent movies or TV since then.
0: Or has been small guest parts in Sam Raimi films. Like yeah. He's in he's all the Spider-Man movies. Do you want to do one-star reviews? I would love to. Do you want me to do the first one? Yes. This one's by J
1: W on December twenty fourth, Christmas Eve, twenty nineteen, with the <laughs> title. He said.
0: He said, I know Santa's coming tomorrow morning, but I just need so to make sure I'm on. a fat dump on this movie. He's <laughs> to make sure I'm on the naughty list by taking a fat dump on some art.
1: Yeah, that people worked really hard to make. Uh, so the title of this is absolute garbage. The original Evil Dead is my favorite movie, period. After that, the rest are garbage. Raimi got away from what made the original so amazing. Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness are terrible. Disappointing.
0: So this is confusing for several reasons. This is like if you said Star Wars is my favorite movie ever, but Star Wars Return of the Jedi is absolute garbage. I'd
1: it- say it's worse than that. I'd say it's like saying Star Wars is a great movie, but The Empire Strikes Back is worse. It's like terrible. because. Well, I don't
0: think that Army of Darkness is... Better? I, I mean, no, I, th- no, I think but he Evil, Dead 2 says for- that Evil Dead
1: 2 is also terrible. That's the confusing which, part. Which, it, yeah, I agree. It, I can totally understand liking the first two and not liking the third But
0: movie. liking the first one and not liking the second one, second one, for all intents and purposes, is a made-up version of the first one. It's it's this
1: it's the first movie done but with a better budget, better and like Sam Raimi's much more adept at using
0: But even with the characters and the direction, um they're kind of exactly the same which makes the his hatred Yeah, I can't of, understand like such a two thirds of the franchise so confusing. I
1: can't understand such a drastic tonal shift uh in your in your viewing of the movie between Evil Dead 1 and 2.
0: It'd be like if you saw You know, like, Die Hard, and like, and you're like, it's the best fucking movie ever. And then, you know, Bruce Willis is still in Die Hard 2 and 3, so if you love the first Die Hard that much, like, you're still, you think you're gonna like 2 and 3, at least kinda. You're not gonna call it absolute garbage. It's pretty tricky with that accent. You gotta be on fucking TV with that accent. But what do you want with the detonators, Hans? I already used all the explosives. Or did I? I'm going to count to three. Yeah. Like you did with Takagi. Oops. No bullets. You think I'm fucking stupid, Hans?
1: You're saying? Um,
0: It's titled, Paid, Wouldn't Let Me Watch It. And it says, Paid for this movie, and it wouldn't let me watch it. I guess I'm done renting movies on Amazon. And how is paid spelt? P-A-Y-E-D rather than... P-A-I-D. Yeah, this is the part of the show where cult films don't have that many one-star reviews and so we need to find ones that are just about the viewing experience and about how the DVD didn't come in the right size fitting case or if there weren't enough special features. Yeah, and I mean there's so many people that write such
1: long and elaborate reviews, so we just had to use one of them, and uh, I guess I'll say the last one, which is from Anselhammer, one word, uh, November 1st, 2015, and the title for this is One Star, uh, and uh, again, this is long, but um, the review states not worth a review! Which is exclamation point? Yeah. Why? I mean at this when you've made the decision that this is not worth a review, why type out one star, not worth a review?
0: Because clearly he should say it is worth a review and the review is one star.
1: Yeah. Or like this is this is terrible. And here's but when why you're giving a review at that point, you know, you're not
0: but he's basically insulting. He's not insulting the movie. He's insulting like the system. He's insulting the reviewing system. Yeah. But what if he said five stars? Not worth the review. I mean, I guess
1: it would be the the point of that would be. I guess on either end of the and either end of the spectrum, it would you be could say the, this the film is, is so good, I'm not
0: even going to review
1: it. Yeah. It's like the, this movie is so evident of its own quality that it's not even worth. You, so I don't. Cre- I don't need to tell you whether it's good or bad. So
0: this person is saying it's so clearly terrible that I can't even muster the words. But apparently they did. I mean, they they, they said
1: one star and not.
0: See let the what them. would really make their give their point across is if they just hit the one star button and then didn't And
1: left it and then left it blank. Well, Trent, that would make sense, and we wouldn't want that.
0: Speaking of actual reviews, um, I guess to try to be professional or you know whatever, I pulled this quote from Roger Ebert. Um, This was the first review I've ever read by him, and I was pleasantly surprised by his conciseness. Um, He gave the the film two stars, and this is his closing paragraph. The special effects in Army of Darkness are ingenious and a lot of fun. The makeup is state-of-the-art, so are the severed limbs, geysers of blood, etc. The movie isn't as funny or entertaining as Evil Dead 2. However, maybe because of the comic approach, seemed recycled. Then again, the movie seems aimed at an audience of 14-year-olds who would have been 8 when Evil Dead 2 came out, so maybe this will all seem breathtakingly original. You said you've read many Ebert review. Yeah. And you like his writings? He's like the one film critic that anyone can name. Like, Aaron Sorkin is the one screenwriter that white, white people can name. Yeah, and... I disagree. With which part? With, um... I mean, I guess
1: if we want to get into... This was
0: the most complimentary paragraph. He did give it two stars. I thought he gave it two and a half.
1: No. Ooh, ouch. It's like a 50% for him. Uh, Yeah, no, I... I kind of don't agree. I, I think the problem becomes when you compare this movie to the first two Evil Deads, where, you know, I think a lot of people that dislike this movie, dislike it because it's, from a tonal sense, doesn't really bear any resemblance to those first two movies beyond the literal, like, deadites
0: and that sort of thing. I I agree with the part where it says comedic beats seem recycled. Because... From From the first two movies? I think the... All the comic parts of the first two movies, it's just Ash getting beat up. Now, the comedy is supposed to arise from like ash being like a comic book over the top hero and he's like actually kind of succeeding at what he wants to do but uh, okay so here's the and i think bruce campbell is great it's almost just like i've seen him do exactly the same thing in two movies now but I, i would disagree
1: i mean i think that like the third okay so i guess we should get out of the way that i love army of darkness and it's a huge source of inspiration for me Um, So be gentle, everyone. Yeah, I mean, I'm sensitive, okay? Um, When I was in high school, I really loved this movie, I loved this trilogy, and I made a short film. I mean, that's being generous, but...
0: Yeah, it was, what was its name? The Sinister Unalive. Yeah, which, if you get a thesaurus out, is um, very similar to The Evil Dead. One could say that, yeah. And Parth, believe it or not, has met Sam Raimi. Well, I, I saw him at New
1: York in New York and and um and I sent I sent this um but anyways, the the point being um this is a huge this is a very big we, uh,
0: I wanted to say how the first time we spoke um was after the film school introduction and I heard you talking about how you met Sam Raimi and I yeah. and I thought that guy's worth spending time with. But he's clearly well connected. But so, uh th- For me, I feel like there's a lot of people that viewed
1: uh, Evil Dead 1 and 2 and then end up watching Army of Darkness hoping for the same thing, but I kind of knew what Army of Darkness was going into it. And I... Horror is not my favorite genre by any means, Um, which is weird because it's probably the genre of movie that I've made the most. But I've always not... I've never found the first two Evil Dead movies to be scary in any sense they've always been kind of comedies to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've just sort of taken horror aesthetics, I guess, and infused them with a lot of comedy. Um, So the drastic tonal change doesn't make much of a... isn't much of an issue for me. And as far as the character of Ash goes, I think in the first two, he's kind of just some guy. He doesn't really have much of a personality in them. He gets a little bit better in two because it's He's very clearly the lead of the movie. But I think, you know, Bruce Campbell is, like, he is the... For me, he is the B-movie actor. He is, like, perfect. When I think of a B-movie actor, I think Bruce Campbell.
0: The change in aesthetics, at the very least, could be... Because the the Evil Dead essentially coins the whole Cabin in the Woods premise. Basically does that so well that when it brings you... To a different world and one so disconnected from the first two, uh, I sympathize with this, but it feels out of place, kind of. And I think, like, when it's in the daytime and he's just like talking to knights and stuff. I asked you, I was like, "Am I supposed to care about this?" And you're like, "No, they know that it's unimportant." And when I, what I, when I really started to pay attention was later in the movie when he was fighting monsters or when it was nighttime and all like. Skeletons came out, and you know the creepy horror elements started to come back out. I like recognized. Mm. I, I where where I was again. But I, think, I I just felt out of place.
1: I think I kind of like it in movies, or especially in franchises, when they take something that has a, a a set approach to things and sort of place it in a completely new arena. So like like with John Wick three, like he just he's in a fucking desert for some reason it, like that's just crazy and out of place and so I kind of like that because it's just like eh, why not and so I, I kind of that's part of why Army of Darkness works for me and I think it also is the first movie to go full out with the comedy which uh, <laughs> Trent asked me like is again like he just said this but like is this meant to be funny and it's this movie is like the perfect movie
0: to explain Sam Raimi because it's like
1: Kind of.
0: I mean, like, uh, I think at least in the terms of like POV shots and like w- you know wacky camera moves, this is the most reflective. It's like the purest, yeah. you know, uh, heroin injection of Sam Raimi's style. Yeah. More so, even though the first two is you know his his Evil Dead's his first movie, so you think that you get a very good sense. This is the uh, the the higher budgeted version. Yeah. And, and that's another thing is that, like, this movie, there's such a charm to how it's all made. Um, that, uh, th- my first thought was it has enough money to the point where it looks it looks bad, but it looks like the best version of bad. Exactly. Yes. And it looks, like, dirty, but, and like, in a it good way. It feels
1: intentional is the
0: thing. It, yeah. d- it doesn't feel like he
1: doesn't know... What it looks like. It feels like he is very aware of the quality level of what he's making. But it's also like J.K. Simmons in the commentary track for Spider Man 1 says that Sam Raimi is, is a really, directs like a really intelligent nine year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, stole that quote from uh, Adam Volerich and Dom Nero's podcast Eye of the Duck episode on Spider Man. Yeah, way to, way to
0: cite your sources. Yeah. Um, friend, friends of the show. Yeah, uh, listen to their, their, their. It's a lot like ours, but a little bit better. I the it. Enjoy. Um, stay
1: here, by the way. Stay here. Go, yeah. go, go to their show. Don't after go right ours. away. Yeah, we need the listeners, please.
0: All right, but do you want to take a minute to talk about the two different endings? Yeah, sure. Let's just, let's just clear let's just clear that up for the for the kids at home. So what what's the one that we watched today? So we watched the U.S. cut,
1: which is uh, which has the ending where Ash goes back in time. And the, you find out the whole story is being told to an S. Mart employee, and then you find out that he didn't say Latu Baratu Nikto properly, and so he brought back a deadite, and he kills the deadite, and kills the, but kills the deadite, kisses the girl, saves the day, and says hail to the king. <laughs> Baby <laughs> which is like and and the original- and that's a that's a reshot ending because the original ending was that he
0: and so the studio didn't like the first version which and-
1: was that he was supposed to to get back to the- to his present time he was supposed to take a potion that would make him sleep, and he accidentally takes too much, sleeps too much, wakes up too late, and wakes up to apocalyptic future
0: yeah, and um it's very similar to the end of the original Planet of the Apes, if you yes. if you ever seen that film. Um, and,
1: and I mean, we I showed the U.S. cut, but then Trent wanted to see the the reshot.
0: And you say you much prefer the, the, S, the S.M.A.R.T. Film. version. Yes, as do I. I think it paid off a lot better. Manufactured products. <sighs>
1: Because here's the deal, is that I think the original ending works in the context of the Evil Dead movies, where the ending is always, uh, Ash is fucked up now, like, like, ending of the first movie is that he's taken over by the spirit, ending of the second movie is taken back to the past, and then the ending of this movie being that he's taken too far into the future is an interesting idea, but the problem is that the first two... Movies. Well, I don't think they're very scary. They are obviously horror movies, and this movie is much more of like a swashbuckling adventure type comedy, whatever you want to call it. And so, having an ending that's so, I mean, like it's funny. It's obviously meant to be ironic in some sense, but it's it is like kind of upsetting.
0: I think that Ash needs to end up on top for once. Yeah, and I and think- especially
1: in this movie where it's like the whole point. I mean, he he's
0: he's obviously made a fool out of, but you know. He's he's a little cool. I have a few things that I think worked. Do you want to talk about them? So I asked you a lot about the stop motion. Yeah. And um, how do I say this? It's it's fucking awesome. Yes. Um, Anything that has to do... Once we got to the big castle battle sequence, I could not be more engaged. Um, Any laughs that came out happened after the two-thirds mark. Um, once we were just blowing stuff up and having a great time. Mm. Next I wrote, runtime because this movie does not overstay its welcome. No. Um, it knows where it's stupid, it knows where you're allowed to not pay attention, um, and it knows that if you can be out of there in less than 90 minutes, and then everyone's home for dinner, then great. Again, I mean, like, this...
1: I mean, we, we were going to save this for later, but do you want to just get into our rankings of the movies anyways? Because... This is my favorite of the trilogy, and I don't know if it's because I don't care so much for horror, and so this one being the one that's a little bit further from that is nice for me. But um, I think it's because this is the one where I feel like they're finally given a a solid budget and uh, are able to sort of take things to the most extreme they possibly can. And I think that that third act is like it's filled with the most amazing ramey and you know so much style and it's it's all of the you know this movie it maybe doesn't literally look as good as some modern marvel movie or you know something that comes out today but because of there's so much care involved in those special effects and visual effects in this movie with like the, the stop motion and the rear projection and the you know, prosthetics and makeup, animatronics, they are all creating something that, you know, you can tell when things are fake. There were, like, Trent was, you know, commenting on how there are various times where skeletons are being thrown at Ash and he's kind of just throwing them along and you can clearly tell that they are still. Mm -hmm. But you hear these voices, these human voices coming from them.
0: I was incredibly humored by all the skeletons getting utterly destroyed and they would release human screams. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it it was it was just so funny that they were personified in their final moments. But you know, even in Spider Man, you know, years later, also Sam Raimi on a much higher budget, there's the famous shot of Mary Jane holding a perfectly still Spider Man dummy. So yeah, it's still I'm sure I'm sure films now are are using you know plastic skeletons. Sure, but but as soon as I said that, you said. But it w- it was intentional, and they know that it's dumb. And it, they get away with it because they put so much energy into some of the other skeletons, and thus it's running the full spectrum, and thus they're capable of making them all good, but they're choosing not to. And and this
1: is what I think se- separates this movie from something like Sharknado or something, where that's a movie where it's it knows it's bad, but mm-hmm. that's what's funny about it, but it, it feels very cynical. It feels very, you know fuck you guys. We're going to make a terrible movie and you're going to fucking like it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like yeah, this is silly, but come on guys, look at look at what we're making here. Like it's like it feels very it feels very innocent. It feels very you, you know, there's not a part of this that feels um like Sam Raimi hates the audience or is like screw you guys. It feels very much he's putting everything into it.
0: So to answer your ratings question, the first one of these I saw was Evil Dead 2 and I saw it in a theater, and it absolutely blew my mind, being that I'd never sure. heard of anything Evil Dead before. Then I went back and saw Evil Dead One, and it impressed me for the historical context of it—that you know, Sam Raimi was 23, and the way they went about fundraising—only
1: three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars.
0: Yes, and the fact that it, you know, garnered, um, you know, cult acclaim, and now he's a household name, and so. And since I liked the minimalist horror premise of that so much, and thus I was first introduced to the, like, steroided version, I'm definitely biased to that. And so I guess it goes, in my mind, Evil Dead 2, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness. That's fair. It hurts
1: a little bit, but it's fair.
0: But all three of these films, if you have the time and the money, have um, very insightful and fun... Cast and director commentaries. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that, like, there's sometimes
1: movies that, where you watch and it's too good to where it, you know, like a social network type movie, where it, the level of good that it's at is, like, unattainable. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way you can make this. And obviously I'm not saying this is really comparable in any way to the social network, but sometimes you see movies that are really good that you're like, this energizes me to where I can make maybe something not as good as this but something like this this like encourages me to try to make my own thing and that that's kind of what this movie feels and this whole series really it's like you can really feel it's like an underdog kind of quality to it where it's they're trying to make a big picture
0: yeah well uh, horror movies famously you know first time directors if you're trying to get your foot in the door you make a cheap horror movie horror movies if you have a good premise and you have a couple good looking teenagers in the woods, anything is possible. Sure. Um, you know, just compared to other genres where, because, you know, if you make a cheap horror movie and you release it around Halloween time, X amount of people are gonna see it. But it's not like, you know, you can just make a drama and release it in mid March and people will care. Groovy.
1: So, as much as this hurts my heart to have to talk about this, Trent. What didn't you like about this movie? What didn't work?
0: The first thing I have on my list. Um, I know that the Evil Dead films. I, I joked at the end of the movie. and I said, "Oh, the female rom- romantic interest like actually survived." Yeah. But still, all the same, Ash gives her one last passionate kiss and then rides off. Uh, I don't think this film is actually trying to like pursue a romantic subplot. But if it knows that it's not important and that like. Then, like, why do it at all? I mean, I think you... I, I, I know it's for the joke of he's the chosen one. Of course, gets the girl, because it's a way to, to deliver exposition. Well, e-
1: even beyond that, I feel like Raimi really likes the... Um, like, I don't think he's shooting ro- those romantic scenes and thinking... Oh. No, and,
0: and is expecting chemistry.
1: No, I, I disagree. I, th- I think of it the other way. I don't think he's shooting those romantic scenes and thinking this is the stuff that people will be able to like check their phone on. I mean, obviously not back in 1992, but mm-hmm. but like I think because if you look at the movies that Raimi makes, he likes to make really classic, almost fairy tale type movies, and I think that having the romantic or you know love story element of it, I think for him where he's like, okay, I'm making a- an action adventure movie it needs a romantic subplot because that's part of the movie I mean he, he does that with spider-man you know even before that's necessarily part of you know it's been done before but like he really invents that in spider-man he reinvents the genre in that way and I think this is like a his an earlier attempt at doing that and I, you, you get a lot of good lines from Bruce yes. Campbell because of that subplot and I think that is and, and I think he really loves working because with those this
0: whole actors. film is a lot. It, it's an awesome sounding line delivery system. Yes, and and, and and it's like
1: I think he he, I can understand maybe being like eh, but I don't really care about that. But it's like that's part of the charm to me.
0: This next one says I kind of spoke on this earlier, um, but the first two thirds move kind of slow. Maybe the first half. I, okay, here's what I think.
1: I love everything all the way up until he gets out of the um, the pit. Mm-hmm. One, and then he goes like, oh, this is my boomstick. Everything up until the point where he goes into the forest. I love that. Mm-hmm. And everything once they are defending the castle, I love that. And the middle portion I like, but there's a lot of slapstick humor that is like Three Stooges level yeah. that... Again, it's, it's weird because it's like, yeah, I don't really find it funny, but, like, the fact that it's even in there is just, like, kind of ridiculous, and that, like, I like that, so I wouldn't take it out, but I can, it definitely does slow the movie a little bit down.
0: Yeah, uh, I asked Parth, I was like, Parth, when you watch this, do you, like, laugh out loud? And he's like, no, but it's more, it's, like, clever-ish. And yeah? It's, it's, like, smart stupid. Yeah, are
1: stupid smart, however you want to call it.
0: It's it's so stupid intentionally that you're that thus us you know are, are articulate whomever scholars yeah. are you know laughing at at how how they sabotage themselves to essentially make a dumb movie when when behind the scenes these are all very smart people.
1: It, it's a good exa- It's a really good textbook example of what I really I, I really admire movies where it's making a not-smart movie very smartly. You know, it's it's smartly made, but they have not made a smart movie. It's like, Die Hard is not a particularly clever movie, but it's cleverly made. It's very artfully executed. And that's kind of how I feel about this. It's, it's very obviously stupid, but it isn't something where it's like, y- you can feel the effort and the love for everything happening on screen, I mean, to a fault maybe, but you can feel it and it's not... Like a Sharknado, cynical kind of, we can shoot shitty stuff, and it won't
0: matter because that was the point, anyways. It doesn't feel like that, you know. Do you have any uh, anything anything you think didn't work that you want to work out of your system? I mean,
1: I really, I think it's really just that middle portion. I think there's some um, slapstick stuff that doesn't really work, but again. It, the fact that it doesn't work kind of works for me because, like, this is really stupid. Like, the fact that this was given... They they gave a man $11 million, and he made this. Yeah. There's something so wonderfully, like... It's literally like if you gave a kid... Uh, you know, like, like if you gave a kid $11 million, you'd be like, yeah, I'd probably make something stupid like that. But it, there's something so innocent about it that I can't... There's nothing I would really ch- want to change. And it's also... If this movie were like two hours long, and everything everything about it just sort of expansiated, then I think it would be more of a problem. But because it's only eighty two minutes, I can't really get bothered by any of it too much because the majority of like there's two thirds of the movie that I like, that sandwich a third of the movie that I kind like I'm like okay with.
0: Parth, would you like to enter the ratings gauntlet? Sure. Alright, so cue the uh, nuclear holocaust sound effect. Um, Alright. Go. Alright, so now it seems like the apocalypse is among us. Let's enter the readings gauntlet. Trent, Would you recommend this movie? I would recommend this movie only in the way that I would recommend someone check out the Evil Dead trilogy because even though at the beginning they have the whole uh, recapping the last two films thing so for all intents and purposes one could watch Army of Darkness and have a general idea of what was going on but I think um, a safer way to go about this would be to watch Evil Dead and then if you like that one to watch Evil Dead 2 and then if you like Everything preceding, and then watch Army of Darkness. Uh, but don't just jump right into Army of Darkness.
1: I kind of agree. I mean, again, there's like a big tonal difference between two and three, and I would only really recommend these this series of movies to a specific, to a person that can understand a specific sense sensibility in movies.
0: And, and I know it goes against everything I know because. Because you're a very pure fan of this, and your favorite one of the three is the third one, which is essentially the one that takes it out of its comfort zone. But I was saying, when someone thinks about Evil Dead, they think about A Cabin in in the Woods. In the way that you can see the seams, and it seems like an achievable goal, um, yeah, if you ever want to, like, make a movie, this might be a good movie for you. Yeah um just because it's kind of like inspiring because they were really young and it's so imperfect in such like a charming way
1: all right so i'm gonna answer the rewatchability part because you know the answer is yes like yes i would rewatch this
0: yes i have rewatched this with what level of frequency and what if ever do you how often do you revisit the other two I don't really watch the other
1: two. I think i, I don't know why, what it is about this movie that I really latch onto. I think I really like like classic type movies, um, and I mean that's the—it's kind of like the same. We've never talked about them. But it's like the same. I love the Mission Impossible movies, and those are kind of classic action adventure movie type things. Um, so I think that's why I latched onto this one the most. But uh, I'd say I watch it at least once a year. I mean, I don't watch it, like, all the time. But I'll get a good watch in. The
0: only one I revisit is the director's commentary Evil Dead 2. I mean, it's drawing so much influence of every uh, the history of horror films. And then it's essentially, like, laying the groundwork for the next 20 years of Yeah, you've got to give them
1: fucking credit for essentially reinventing the genre. I mean, like...
0: So much so that... The film, The Cabin in the Woods, is given so much credit as essentially like the twenty first century scream of like horror satire. Yeah, and the entire framework of it is the setup is, is essentially an Evil Dead joke. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. How often would you? You didn't answer. How often would you rewatch it?
0: I don't see myself coming back to this film. I like I. I see. I really had a hoot and a half during. The action scene... I mean, really only the final action scene. Mm. I was really, like, losing my damn mind. I was there for This is true. Um, But would I watch this movie in its entirety? No. Not anytime soon. Not really. All right, your rating out of ten. This is a
1: difficult one. Um, I think as a movie, it's probably, like, a seven out of ten. On Letterboxd, I've given it a five out of five, because it's, like... There's not anything I would really change because any of the things that I could perceive as flaws or kind of things that I'm like, yeah, but I like that. I like that it's like that. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's nonsense, but I like it. Um, so in my heart, I, th- I have got, I've got like a 10 in my heart, but I know the quality of this is, is, is more around a six to a seven for most people. I'm going to give it a 7. Seven
0: point five. Well, if if, there were, if they cut out the nonsense, that we'd say that everything was too like spearheaded.
1: I, exactly. If, if you cut out the nonsense, then you've cut out the heart of what makes this, what makes any of it work. You know, it, it is the nonsense movie.
0: Uh, I, I'd say I can still look at myself in a mirror if I give this film. Um, I'm going to guess six or six point five. Six. Yes. Yeah. See, so you are getting better and better at this, partly because. I'm very predictable yeah. in that I give things most things between a 6 and an 8, and you can tell by my tone where I'm leaning. Um, around a 6, um, partly because we can leave not room for improvement because they were before, but just because I think so highly of the other two films. I can only rate this one so highly. Fair enough. Uh, part of what comes next on our little program. Uh, I, yeah, so we don't know. Next week, well, we do know, but it's almost like we're not at a liberty to tell you, bastards at home. All right. So next
1: week, we think we're going to be offering you guys up a fun little episode uh, of what we don't know yet, but we wanted to give ourselves a little break from just the constant interviewing, review, interview, review, yeah, interview. Review, yeah. So, Inner, you get it Yeah. Or? Yeah,
0: that it's been that cycle for fifty episodes now. So we we were originally going to do this in person discussion
1: to be that fun a little fun little episode, but then Trent and I were like,
0: "Damn,
1: this episode's got to come out this Sunday."
0: Yeah, and then scheduling, you know, life gets in the way. Yeah, Parth was kind of adamant about doing our fun episode in person in Texas, and then I said. I'm not going to bring a tux. I said podcasting is all about logistics. It's nothing. We need to make a lot of money fast, and that's yeah. why I started a podcast.
1: That, yeah, I mean, we are rolling in the deep with this.
0: Um, By the way, I mean, we already have plenty of sponsors, but if you own a large business, contact Partharai. Or,
1: or a small I mean, we'll take anything at this point. Um, this if you
0: have any amount of capital and you're looking to squander it, I guess if you don't know what the word squander means and you think it has a positive connotation, uh, come squander some money with us.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and so we're, we're going to have some fun episode. We don't know what we have planned for you, but um, I assure you it will be amazeballs. That's the official term. Um, but then after that, just give like a... After little
0: that... Little tea, because we're going to keep we're, doing it. We're going to be
1: releasing a slate, new slate.
0: Three new films.
1: Yeah, and... Um, Maybe I'll give you a taste of what's to come in uh, that first that first movie of the three. Uh, you know, maybe let's put it this way. I'm wearing a tux right now. Maybe the main character would wear that too, and maybe he'd wear that while playing a game of poker, uh-huh. And maybe he would do it in a movie called "Casino
0: Royale." Oh, wow, you really just turned those hints into a full-blown announcement of us doing James Bond Casino Royale the yeah. first Daniel Craig movie. Yeah. But we're not going to spoil who we interviewed, right? No, we're not. We'll be releasing a slate
1: soon enough for you guys. When the time is right. Yeah, and it is not yet.
0: Um, so let's address the elephant in the room. Yeah. What you guys, you little listeners, what you need to do. Oh, uh, oh, that thing? Is we, we need to tell them? Now, immediately. So this is an urgent message. It's a little public service announcement. If you guys need to go on to Apple Podcasts, you need to scroll all the way down and click on the five-star review, and then you're going to write us a glowing five-star review. Yeah. Am I wrong? And then,
1: and then you're going to go on our Instagram, and you're going to like all those fucking photos, and then you're going to give a nice little comment and give us a follow. Then you're gonna go and open another app. You're gonna go to (laughs) Twitter.com, or actually, maybe I I guess you wouldn't go to Twitter. You'd open the Twitter app, and then you're gonna search up Craft Serve Pod because that is the handle we we were able to take.
0: Do we have a good Twitter following?
1: Uh, We have, I think, 93 followers
0: compared to Instagram, where we have 420 followers. Ao. Anyways, so no one follow us or unfollow us. Yeah, I mean, for no particular reason please follow all, uh, all of our social media accounts.
1: We post, you know, relatively.
0: And we are going to keep doing the show until either, number one, Parth graduates from college. Number two, one of us dies in some sort of incident. Yeah. Or number three, someone steals one of our laptops.
1: And At which point, there's no way we can continue the pod. We can't get a new laptop or anything.
0: And so this is a challenge and a promise that until one of those three things happens, we're going to keep releasing episodes. So if you're going to talk your shit and you're going to be the one person on Apple Podcast who gives us a one-star review... Asshole. Then, then come put a stop to it. Quit talking and um, put a plan into action and take our laptop. punk um, bitch.
1: All right, are, are we done?
0: Yeah, we always at the beginning of the episode, we're like, all right, we're going to talk for like 30 to 40 minutes max. And where do we find ourselves? Past the one hour mark. We don't know where this will be once we edit, or when I say we, I mean track edits this. Well, that's enough of that. See you next week.